Thank you for hearing answering the prayers over the preaching of the word, everything accomplished in through his time that you will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So with that said tonight, obviously God's been showing me a deepening of something going on in River of Life. And and obviously tonight he's decided to go ahead and begin that. But there is there is a depth to prayer that's increasing. And I feel that I, I feel that it's that desperate cry. There, that's going to be what births the, the revival, I believe that. And the harvest of souls, etc. is going to be that deep calling unto deep, groans too deep for words, like a desperate cry. And so God is beginning to deepen that tonight in all of us, and we just have to make room for the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, as I'm just going to share briefly from this sermon, uh, just let God speak to you and get everything out of this you can just where you're at, okay? It's kind of a shorter sermon. But God many times will start something like this, and we need to fan it into flame. So just keep this stirred up in you. But I'm going to read this. This is going to be the God of Blood Covenant series, part nine, deepening in your prayer life. But we're living in the last days. And with that said, these are perilous times. And it's going to be desperately important for all of us to go deeper in our prayer lives than we ever have and to really stay close to the Lord. I feel as I've been sharing this sermon series, I've been trying to warn what I feel in, in my spirit from the Holy Spirit. I feel the Lord concerned and he's trying to give us information about coming under the blood and about having an increase of faith for the days to come, knowing how to resist the enemy, knowing how to speak the word of God out over our lives, etc., because the Holy Spirit sees things coming on the horizon that are not here yet. I'm talking about it now, but in a couple years down the road, things could get a lot more desperate. And we're going to need this information. So I'm encouraging people that follow our ministry and listen to this. Please take these, these sermon series teachings that I'm doing very seriously and let God really do a deep work in you. But anyway, about our personal prayer lives, let me just read Luke 11, starting in verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So Jesus, they saw Jesus' prayer life, and they knew that that was the key to the power in his life. He said, I do what I see the Father doing. I speak what I hear the Father speaking. And they wanted to know how to pray. And so we know the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught them, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive others. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. We know all this, the pattern. But I'll break it down here in a moment. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. Now remember this whole parable. Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet of your shameless 
persistence, your audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need if you keep knocking and keep asking. Did everybody catch that? He's not going to give it to you just because of your friendship, but he's going to give it to you because of your persistence. And then it goes on to say in verse 9, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks will find. The one who knocks the door will be open. And which you fathers, if, you, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So... With that said, I can't express this enough, but years ago, God did this in me. I'll just share this, and I'm going to give you a little bit of teaching. When I went to the revival in the 90s, God began to really touch my life. I first was touched powerfully by Claudio Freitzen's ministry, and he was ministering out of the Argentine revival. He came here and was ministering in South Dallas, and God really touched me there. And that was the first exposure and I remember Rodney Howard Brown's ministry, and I remember um, being touched powerfully at Floyd LaHan's meetings, and then eventually went to Brownsville in 96, and God really touched me there deeply. And when I came back, though, there was something that was in 96, probably the spring of 96, so it went through the summer. But when I got into the beginning of 97, so it had been maybe about nine months or so that God was stirring something in me that something that had been put in me through laying on of hands but around january of 97 all of a sudden i was i was at this particular house and i was listening to a cd that came out of the brownsville revival and that song spirit the sovereign lord came on but it was it was the original one uh, that they put out on that first cd and as i was listening to this song the holy spirit just began to really blow in and God began to draw me deep into prayer. I had never been drawn like that before, but I didn't know how to pray. And so it was kind of a frustrating thing because I was desperately hungry to pray, but even though I was, my prayer times were kind of dry and difficult because I didn't know how to pray. And so I began to seek the Lord. You remember what you just read here, ask It'll be, you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door be open. So I began to ask, seek and knock. I began to press in. And I remember that I was, I was helping out at this particular church. And, and I was there during the day. And I, I had chore, things I had to do. You know, assignments or whatever you want to call them. Things I worked there I had to get done. And I would get them done as quick as I could so that I could go just by myself and spend time in prayer and I was studying the word and just hours and hours and hours and hours in prayer and in the word and seeking God. And gradually over time, God began to teach me how to pray. And Ruby and Addie, of course, helped a lot, these elderly women. And also some teachings I came across like from Dr. Cho. He really helped me a lot. And so I began to learn how to pray effectively. And as I did, God began to take me very deep in prayer. And this would have been 97, 8, 9 time frame. I mean, I, went, I would spend the whole day if I could in prayer because God was drawing me into it. And I believe tonight as I was praying for people, I believe that that has begun in you. See, there was something imparted to me 
but it kind of had to germinate in me, I guess, for around nine months. And then all of a sudden, it began to really come forth as God drew me into prayer. Does that make sense? So there's something I believe that's been deposited in you, even tonight, that over the next course of months, I believe God's going to cause that to begin to fan into flame. And you may feel a deeper draw and a hunger and passion for prayer like never before. And, and God's doing that in you. So there comes also a point where I, was te- I shared this in the video where you've been praying and praying and praying and praying and God's hearing you. But when it comes to the fullness of time, when it's time for something to birth, all of a sudden there's this desperate cry, this groan that comes forth that you've not known before. And that's what's happening here tonight. There's something different. And God is beginning to move us into a place of seeing changes in the natural. So what God taught me about prayer, and I just wanted to share this. There's not notes because you're not really going to need notes per se. I wanted to just share from my heart. So the first thing, Jesus said, our Father, which art in heaven. We are God's children because of the blood. So if you will put an emphasis on the blood, put an emphasis on coming through the blood, being washed and covered in the blood, reverencing the blood, maybe taking communion. That's an awesome way of reverencing and applying the blood. But if you'll put an emphasis on the blood and coming through that blood, you're going to have a much easier access into God's presence. If you're trying to access without the blood, I'm not saying God won't hear you because you're his child, but you'll find that it's more sterile and a little bit more difficult. But if you'll focus in on the blood, you'll find that it's easy to come right into God's presence. Now, again, as I've said many times, that's why I like to take communion at the beginning of service, because it gives us a chance to make sure we forgive everybody and we repent of whatever we need to, and that we're cleansed and washed. It's just like tonight, one of my parishioners put up here a little card of Jesus looking at me says I saw that you know <laughs> we all need one of those don't we? anyway <laughs> I need to flip it over it's making me laugh I'm sitting here trying to preach so as we take time to get washed in the blood and covered in the blood we come through the blood you'll find there's access okay and then worship our father which art in heaven what's the next thing hallowed be your name Now, there is something about hallowing the actual name of the Lord. Yahweh, Yahweh, uh, Jehovah Jireh, if you want to say in English, our provider, etc. There's names of God in Scripture that are powerful. He reveals His nature. And there is something about hallowing His name. But what you can see there is worship. As you'll spend some time worshiping, entering His gates with thanksgiving, what is courts with what? Praise. And you begin to praise and worship Him. There's access. So first is the blood, then there's worship. And then you begin to move into deep prayer. As you begin to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. That you, that's the time to begin to petition him for things. But I have found also, for me, the blood, the worship, and then really praying in the spirit. Praying in tongues. And let God sharpen you, tune you in, and, and let him pray through you. And you'll, you'll find that you're mixing praying in the Spirit and then things that are deeply on your heart, you can also pray those to Him with your understanding. 
And so there's deep prayer. Also, I recommend after you pray it through, uh, he said, you know, your kingdom come will be done. So you pray about different things. You may pray about our nation. You may pray about all these things that are on your heart. I'm sure all of you have things you pray over. But also to get into the word. And this is a good time to do it because after you've gone through prayer, you're more in tune with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the author of the word. And so as you open the word and let God begin to show you things maybe you haven't seen before. And I really recommend journaling things too because God will show you something. And I have found the older I've gotten, the more that I have forgotten. And so as Floyd Lahan is a wonderful guy. I mean, when he prayed for me, I don't want to go in this big, long story, but it was, it was one of the most significant impartations of my life. And I mean, I knew it. I felt very different. And so I called him, was asking him, you know, you got any advice for you? Because I was probably 23 or something at the time. I was quite young. Any advice? And he, he made me laugh. He said, well, he said, you... You get old like me and you learn a lot of things and you forget a lot of things you learn, you know. And he said, my advice to you is learn how to pray. That's the greatest advice he could possibly give me. Because if I know how to pray, then everything else is going to work out, you see. And so I began to really take that to heart and pursue prayer. And so every time I get around really powerful men of God, I ask them some questions. And one of the questions I always ask them is, what have you learned about prayer? course John Davis is a prayer machine he is a prayer warrior and so he's given me a lot of advice but I asked Steve Hill I said so what have you learned about prayer and he said well let me tell you he said a lot of people talk about it and very few people actually do it isn't that something so that's all he had to say right there now I went to the next question but that's true how many times have we, we, you know, heard things from people that we know we should do something, but we're not doing it? So if you pray and read the word and then journal, because God may show you something. He may give you a dream. He may speak to you. He may give through a powerful man or woman of God, give you an important word that you know is from God. Chronicle this stuff, journal it. And then also, as you're praying, you can get into a deep place where you're close to the Lord in prayer and in this time here that you begin to really seek the Lord in an intimacy, a closeness. And there comes a time where the Lord seems very near and it's in those times that you can really petition him for specific things. And I recommend having kind of partial fasting going on in your life every week i know most people do because of the watchman program we have going but have some fasting that you do every week but in that deep place where you're it's quiet and it's just you and the lord you've kind of gone through all your prayers and all that and you sense the nearness of god there's times and you'll know what i'm talking about where he seems very near and those are powerful times to ask him for things that specific things that are dear to your heart, you know, bring it up to him at those times. And you'll find that these, the outworking of these things would be very powerful. But again, I can't emphasize enough that inter, intermixing into your life like some fasting throughout the week. It doesn't have to be a lot, but 
if you just a few days of the week or whatever that you're skipping some food there's something about that that's so powerful god may draw you to an extended fast periodically there's no doubt i've had that but i encourage you as a lifestyle to cultivate a little bit of fasting every week it's not hard your body adjusts to it it actually becomes very easy but the the spiritual benefits are amazing and then the last thing i would say is soaking you know if you've gone through the blood you've worshiped you've prayed everything in your heart you've prayed in the spirit you've been in the word you've chronicled things god's shown you you've lifted up personal needs but it's time to just soak in the lord's presence and again this may be a good time to even talk to him about things that's dear to your heart but you're soaking in the presence of god and let me tell you that place of intimacy where nothing else is going on you've quieted your mind and you're not distracted by things you're just soaking in his presence those are some of the most important times because god will okay so let me put it this way Catherine coleman taught that that's the place of great anointing that she would just soak in the lord's presence and in that place she said it was like a fresh baptism in the holy ghost would come at times before these meetings and then she would come out of that time into these meetings where the holy spirit moved so mightily but it was out of her soaking prayers and benny hen said those places like that are the places of great anointing and i found that to be true so if we just spend some of that extra time i remember reading this in the bible about moses and joshua and, and it said that moses would spend this time with the lord and joshua was always there and then it says in the Bible, you look it up, that after Moses would even leave, Joshua would just kind of linger and just stay in the presence of the Lord. And, and what ended up happening with Joshua? Joshua was the one that crossed the Jordan and conquered Canaan. So it, it came, though, out of an intimacy with the Lord. So those places of soaking are real powerful. Now, John and Carol Arnott have been speaking on this. They said we're in the last days. The Lord's coming for wise virgins with extra oil. What's the extra oil? It comes out of intimacy. How many knows if we're not careful, and this is for everybody, especially ministers, we can get too busy. It's kind of quiet. We can be too busy. We can have too many things going on, too many irons in the fire, and we don't put a priority on our intimacy with the Lord. So I encourage all of us to focus in on that. Now, the patterns of prayer, the first one is the Lord's Prayer, which I just went through. I mean, you can go down through that. Larry Lee did a great job of teaching on that in his book, Lord Teach Us to Pray. If you want to get that book, I'm sure it's still available, but it's powerful. And he, you know, he talked about coming through the blood and then worship. And then it's, you're praying all those different things. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts. Lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil. And praying that your kingdom come, you will be done. Kind of breaking down these different categories and praying over all that's very powerful. And Dr. Cho taught on the tabernacle pattern. Coming through the blood, but at the altar, he was saying, you'd be surprised how much even just the Ten Commandments will speak to all of us on a regular basis. If we start thinking about, have we put other things before the Lord that's an idol? You know, and then he started talking about, have we, has there been any type of uh, dishonesty 
that's been there. And, he, and then he gave examples that were kind of humorous. He said he would go to some of his parishioner's house. He'd be talking to him, and then he would see this book. And he's thinking, that's my book. You know, I loaned it to him years ago. They stole my book, you know. <laughs> so there's things that, I know it's hilarious, but there's things that, uh, dishonesty, things like that, that's kind of crept in here and there. And he talked about also, Jesus said to look with lust as adultery or to have hatred in your heart as murder. I mean, you'd be surprised just going down through the Ten Commandments how much of that will convict us on a daily basis to make sure that our hearts are really pure. Have we really forgiven people? Have we, have we been looking at things we shouldn't have? Is this things come out of our mouths that, that shouldn't have, we shouldn't have said? And so he was just kind of going through that. And he says, you go to that bronze altar and then the laver that you're just getting cleansed from all this junk and you enter in and he, the tabernacle. And what do you have there? You have the, the table of showbread. You have communion. You have the menorah. You have the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the intimacy, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the altar of incense, deep prayer and intercession, moving into the glory. So there's a pattern. And what I've found with the Lord is it's not a religious ritual but there are patterns. You cannot just flippantly come into the presence of the Almighty. There's a pattern. He said, if you want to come to me, then you're going to come through the blood of Jesus. If you want to come before me, then you enter my gates with thanksgiving and chorus with praise. If you want to come in, you come in with worship, reverential. But we can come before him. We have confidence to come before the throne of grace to receive help in time of need but we come through the blood of jesus and we enter in the right way and the prayers of the righteous make tremendous power available dynamic and it's working so it's very important that people get this understanding there has to be a faith in understanding that it, this is not based on our righteousness but it's based on his no matter how much we feel like we are imperfect and flawed and we make mistakes and all of that, we all feel that way, you have to be careful that that does not reflect in your prayer life. It, this is a big deal. A lot of people don't get answered prayers because they're so focused on themselves and they feel so inadequate. They feel like, who am I to ask God for anything? Why would he answer my prayers? Look at all the flaws in my life. Let me tell you, that's one of the greatest hindrances to your prayer life. Did everybody catch this? This is important what I'm saying because there's people probably in the sound of my voice that some prayers haven't been answered because you haven't had enough faith in this area. When you come before the Lord, you come with humility, but you come with the understanding that you are made the righteousness of God in Christ. And when you stand before the throne of God, God does not see all of your imperfections. What he sees is the blood of Jesus and you being his son or daughter. And you're a son or daughter of Abraham. And God respects that. You go based on Christ's righteousness. And you can come with confidence based on the fact with humility that I am right now the righteousness of God in Christ. I am God's, in my case, God's son. I'm a son of Abraham. And my prayers are tremendously powerful, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. I'm telling you, we better shift that focus. If you'll pray the way I'm telling you, your prayers are going to start shaking the gates of hell. 
because Satan is Satan wants to distract you. Every time God's wanting to do something real powerful in your life, what happens? The devil starts shooting all these thoughts in your mind to distract you. All these things will try to come up to get you in a bad mood. Where you end up losing your temper and saying something or doing something. Then you go in to pray and you feel like, why would God hear me because of how flawed I am? That is a very common tactic of the devil right there. But whenever we get to a place of spiritual maturity that we understand, look, I've been under some spiritual attack. And because I'm human and I'm flawed and I got a sin nature, I didn't handle everything the way Christ would have. But Lord, I ask you to forgive me and wash me in the blood and I believe I receive it right now. Therefore, I can come with humility and confidence before the throne of grace because I'm still a son of the Most High. I'm still a son of Abraham. And because of the blood of Jesus, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not based on me being perfect because I never will be anyway. It's based on what Jesus did. And so therefore... My prayers make tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working right now. My prayers are powerful. So we must grow in that faith and remove, the last thing I would say is remove the distractions out of your life. Did everybody hear me? When we get in prayer, we need to learn to focus. You may need a place that you can go where you're not going to be continually distracted by people. You need a place where you can maybe shut a door and maybe you can, you know, in my case, uh, put in some earbuds or something and get alone. You're, there's no distractions, there's no hindrance and you can just seek God in the secret place and you're not going to be continually distracted. Because I think a lot of times people think, well, I'll pray and I'll go walk outside and pray. Well, that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a lot of distractions when you're walking outside and praying. Unless you live out in the woods like Ed, then that would be great. As long as you don't step on a snake or something, that'd be a big distraction, wouldn't it? But as long as, long as you're out somewhere like that. But if you live like we do in rural areas, there's a lot of distractions. So I would just encourage you to learn to really focus on the Lord, remove the distractions out of your life, turn your phone off or whatever, whatever it means to you. And then that you learn to linger in the presence of the Lord. Many times, I think people rush out of prayer, and that's a big mistake. I'm going to go in, I've got my, th my list to pray about, and that's important, but then it's like I'm done, out I go, and you know, sometimes that must be that way, but I wonder how much more could happen if we would just learn to linger a little bit, and there was something that's happened to me sometimes too periodically the Lord will really come upon you in an awesome way I mean really strong in prayer there's a reason for that don't rush out of that maybe God is strengthening you because something is about to happen that you need that strength for what you're about to face and Perry Stone said something one time that always stuck with me he's got some pretty neat stories sometimes he tells and he said his dad told him this, and it's true because I know that this has happened to me a couple times. He said that you may be in prayer, and all of a sudden, you feel this overwhelming, awesome presence of God come upon you. You can barely move. You just feel it in awe. He said, if that ever happens to you, Perry, don't move. Don't leave. Stay right there. 
If you're in a chair, stay in that same chair. Don't leave. He said, because what's happening is, is the angel of the Lord just walked up beside you and you're receiving ministry from holy angels and you need it. Because something is up and they're trying to, they're trying to minister unto you. I've had that happen a couple times where I knew that's exactly what it was too. So learn to focus, learn to remove the distractions, learn to linger in prayer. And finally, I would say don't let anything become a dead religious ritual. Every time in prayer or here, I try to not ever let anything become a dead ritual. Try to focus in on what I'm saying right now. Don't get distracted. This is one of the last things I want to say, but I feel like it might be the most important. Human beings have a tendency to want ritual. And every time, you know, God bless our little dog Bentley, but and Bentley's smart, man. He, I could tell you some stories that would shock you. That, that little guy knows English, and he is smart. But Bentley is this little dog that, if you ever do anything out of ritual, like, for example, the same, my wife does the same thing every morning. When she's out of town and I'm doing something in the morning, he just goes haywire. His little brain just goes all over the place because he doesn't know what to do with himself because I'm not doing the same exact thing that my wife does apparently. And so he just freaks out, you know. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Following me around and trying to figure it out. So I finally had to ask my wife what exactly I need to be doing because this dog is just totally freaking out, bugging me, following me, trying to understand what I'm doing. And he can tell if we ever do anything out of, out of character. So it's, you know, in the same way with little Bentley, I think that all of us have a tendency to want ritual. Maybe we find comfort in it or something or, I don't know, security. But we have to be careful that we, our prayer life and our church services don't become a dead religious ritual because most churches do that, have already done that, been doing that for decades, and their services are dead. It's just like tonight, I mean, I, I come in every service just open to however the Holy Spirit wants to move. In this particular service tonight, God the Holy Spirit decided after worship, he wanted me to pray for people. And that's the direction that we went because that's what the Holy Spirit said to do. Now, if I was stuck in a dead religious ritual, I would have disobeyed the Holy Spirit. The anointing would have died completely and I would have just started preaching a sermon. That's what a lot of people do. I remember seeing this in church services. I remember I worked at a particular church during the 90s and God was really moving in my life and, and I was developing this intimacy with the Lord and I was on this personal journey and I, and I ended up being a part of this church and it was like every service it was like this and it just it got so old because they would have pretty good worship I mean the Holy Spirit would just start to move and it never failed God bless this pastor he would get up and kill it and start doing something like announcements or something every week you realize whenever God's moving in your life how annoying that is every single never failed and it never changed until he left one day. Be careful because your little religious ritual can kill the move of God. I wonder what it would have been like if he would have asked the Holy Spirit, so Holy Spirit, what are you going to do today? 
And maybe instead of cutting off the worship every week at a certain point and just killing the move of God, maybe we could start doing things a little bit different where we could say, let the Holy Spirit just keep moving. This morning, we're just going to pray for people. I may not even preach a sermon this morning. We're just going to do whatever God wants us to do. What would it be like? Do you remember me reading the story about Edward Miller and an Argentine revival back in the early days? They prayed and remember the handful of people and the wind blew in and they got mightily touched in that small group. And then he started going to local churches. And the Holy Spirit really started moving in the churches. And you'll remember this story. You remember when he got up and the Holy Spirit told him he was supposed to speak that morning, told him, said, I want you to have the people pray. So he gets up and he says, this morning, I'm not going to preach or anything right now. I feel the Holy Spirit wants us to pray. Well, the Holy Spirit started falling on the people and they started moaning and groaning and weeping and welling and praying. I read this story to you guys. It's in that, um, that book that he wrote. Anyway, and the pastor comes up and he's ringing a little bell, ching, 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 ringing this bell, calling the meeting back to order. He's like, you guys are getting out of hand. He kind of reprimands him and says, now the brother's going to preach his word this morning. Edward Miller got up and said, well, the Lord hasn't, and he's not disrespectful. He said, well, the Lord hasn't changed his mind. I believe the Lord wants us to pray this morning. The Holy Spirit falls again. The people start weeping and wailing. The pastor comes up and rings this little bell again, kills it. And this happened, Edward Miller said, if I'm not mistaken, this happened three times. And uh, it was that book, Cry For Me, Argentina. Remember, I read some stories to you guys. And finally, like the fourth time, Edward Miller gets up. But think about putting yourself in his shoes here. He gets up again and says, I still believe the Lord has not changed his mind yet this morning. I believe we need to pray. Holy Spirit falls again in his grace and mercy. And the people start weeping and well and they're praying. And the pastor is holding the bell and realizes I need to just let the Lord do what he wants to do this morning. And you know, the Holy Spirit began to fall in those churches and that's where all those people started getting saved. Like that young man, I believe his name was Chacho or whatever, got saved from the jungles and, and they started that Bible school out of those that were getting saved in these powerful meetings that they started having in the churches. If we would just get out of the way what I'm saying is, is be careful that your personal prayer life is not just a dead religious ritual. Because it can easily become that. We have to let the Holy Spirit move in our personal prayer life. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? What, what do you want to show me out of the word? What do you want me to pray about? And begin to move with the Holy Spirit. And the same thing with church services. I, I've been this way for so long now that it, it's just, it's common, but Whatever the Lord wants to do is what I'm going to do. We may sing one song and the Holy Spirit fall. We may sing, sing one song for 30 minutes. If that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do, we're going to do that. And we may go through and pray for people. We may not. God may be emphasizing the sermon or he may want me to not preach at all. It makes me no difference. I'm just here to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. And I believe that's why God's presence is so strong here is because what John the Baptist said, less of me, more him. As a pastor, it, you know, you just realize how the less of me and the more of him shows up, the better off we all are. You know, John Davis always says, uh, he said to this one guy, he said, I'm sick of myself. 
<laughs> the guy was kind of causing problems. And he said, I'm sick of myself. How much more I am of you and your problems trying to, you know, he was getting on this guy. But it's true. It's saying, look, we're, we're tired of our own selves and we just need to get out of the way and let God do what he wants to do. Amen. So finally learn to soak and that's the place of extra oil. You know, my wife and I went, and I close with this, we went to the Bonnie Bray Street, the birthplace of Sioux Street Revival. And you could feel the Lord as soon as we walked in that place. Sweet sister is kind of the curator there. Used to live there back in the 80s. A particular denomination ended up buying it from her and renovating it and all that. She oversees it. We had the honor of being able to go. As soon, as soon as we walked in, my wife will tell you, we started feeling the Lord in that place. But the whole thing was just soaking in God's presence while we're there. Soak it up. You know, I wonder, because I go periodically when I can, I go down to Cane Ridge. And I like to go, and God really touches me there. But they have, the lady I talked to said they have around 5,000 people every season come through. That's a lot of people. That's a good sign for America that there's still 5,000 or more people going to some place like that. That's a good sign because they come from all over America. But here's my experience when I've been there because I go there and I go there to seek the Lord. Again, in goes the noise-canceling earbuds. I'm off in my own place by myself with the Lord up there praying. I couldn't care less what everybody else is doing. I'm there to receive from the Lord. And God's touched me very powerfully there, deeply, right? But most people that go through there, clamor through there, talk, look at it, look around like it's a museum and leave. Not being critical, I'm just saying they didn't really get anything out of it. And that's the overwhelming majority. Every once in a great while, there'll be some people come in quietly and will sit in there and I'll notice that they're really praying and seeking the Lord. And I think to myself, how awesome, you know. But, but most people that come through there are just there to look at it like a museum and leave, and they really didn't receive anything. What would happen? The very first time my wife and I went, we, we, we weren't planning on going. We were going to Tennessee to see some family. And I told her, I said, well, I want to go to Cambridge because I looked it up, and it's not far from here. And I'd never been, so I didn't know what to expect. And we got there, and they, of course... Those that's been, there's a big stone building they built around it, and that little wooden church is in the middle of it. And it's all around. You just walk around it. It's like a big circle. And as soon as I got there and was walking in, I started feeling like I used to feel when I go to Brownsville. I just felt something in the atmosphere, and I felt a stirring. So we got in there, and the curator was talking to us a little bit about things, but I already kind of was familiar with the revival. I said, is it okay that we just pray? And so I told my wife, I said, listen, nobody else was there. I said, let's just find a place to soak and pray for a little bit. And it was, it was just dead quiet. There's nobody there. It's an old musty smell. It's, it's a building that's been there since the 1800s. All they've done is just renovate. It's the same place, you know, same wood. It goes way back. And we were in there and it was just quiet. And I could hear Sandy in the distance. I could hear her kind of, crying a little bit it was so quiet and I remember after an hour we really legitimately had to go I didn't want to go but the longer I laid there the heavier the Lord got on me 
And after an hour, I was like, it's time to go. And I started to get up and I couldn't get up. And my body was not obeying me, you know. And I was laughing to myself. I remember telling the Lord, Lord, I don't want to leave, but we really do have to go. And so you kind of got to let me up here. You got to help me. <laughs> and I was laughing. But I finally got up and I kind of staggered out of the place. But what would happen if people would go there to receive in the spirit? You know what I'm saying? Really receive something. They, many times people go and they're just spectators to all kinds of revivals, you know. I remember seeing people do that at Rodney Hart Brown meetings. They sit there, their arm folded, and they're just, just watching everything critically. And I'm thinking, man, you're missing a, should the Lord tarry, this is going to go down in history books, chronicled history books of revivals. And you are one of those goofy people that totally missed the move of God in your generation 100%. You were even there and still missed it. You were right next to the guy and still missed it. Oh, that we would see it again, like Duncan Campbell said, that God stepped down, moved among the people, sovereign and supernatural. People gripped with the fear of God, began to be swept into the kingdom, weeping and wailing, that we might see it again. Lord, I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you. Draw us all into prayer. Help us to find time in our own busy schedule, if we have to get up a little bit earlier, we got to go to bed a little later, whatever we got to do, help us, Lord, to make time, not for a dead religious ritual, but for a living relationship with you. And even in church, help us, Lord, to break out of our old dead religion and begin to move with the Holy Spirit and let God have his way in the house of the Lord. And Lord, let your house be a house of prayer again. This is not the time, I say it in love, for people that's been getting out of prayer. You can make every excuse known to man and you can try to give me all your reasons. I love you, but you'll never convince me that less prayer and getting out of prayer, getting your church out of prayer is the direction that God is going. He's not going that direction. That's you and you're making excuses for whatever reason you have. But this is a time we need to be doubling down in prayer and seeking God we're in perilous times and Lord that you might rend the heavens and come down pour out your spirit as many have seen and I believe is coming and help us to be right in the middle of it and I thank you Lord here in River of Life for that desperate cry that only you can do through us to come forth the type of prayers that make things happen Lord we thank you for it in Jesus name we pray amen